been listening to MOD Channel. Hi guys, welcome to my podcast. This is MOG channel where we help you to see real and practical Christians from God's word. If you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Today is the 13th of January. Welcome to the new year. I guess we are crossing in late <laughs> at MOG channel. However, I know your forgiveness has already been secured. Today, we're going to be going into what I would call pills for your anxiety. Alright, pills for your anxiety because it's going to address a certain kind of anxiety that many or most people have but then it's going to be something a bit bigger than just your anxiety. Alright, it's going to actually address your worldview concerning money, concerning possessions, concerning a lot of things. So, to give a background to why I am addressing this, more like um, a an answer to certain questions is that if I look back at my own Christian life and when I started, okay, I started in my second year university, um, in school, and there were lots of us who were serving the Lord together. There were lots of us who were doing ministry together. There were lots of us who were evangelizing, winning souls, and I mean, there may be a bunch of you who are listening to me who have the similar experience from school days where you had a fellowship or a church that you attended and you were very zealous, very fervent for the Lord, very, very, very passionate. And I mean, we were evangelizing, we're doing so many things, we're making disciples. It was, I mean, the whole enchilada. Till something happened. Another thing that happened was that we graduated. And after graduation, the level or the amount of people who were still in ministry dropped drastically beginning from nyc <laughs> nyc is like the first barricade and many people dropped off there i mean nyc is the best place to lose your salvation in quotes <laughs> right many people's christian lives don't survive nyc and i mean that's a big problem really big big that's that's a topic for another day nyc because lots of people go in there with a certain mindset they go in there and then they meet different kinds of people ready to mingle and their Christianity, they are not bold about their faith, they are not vocal, they don't go on the offensive and they get influenced. And that's how you see people for 21 days of the NYC camp have not prayed. And by the time, <laughs> by the time NYC is over, their Christian life is over also. But God forbid, right? God forbid, that shall not be your what? Your portion. And the next phase after that is the workplace. In fact, most people start working during the NYC year. But after that, you know, you go get a job and all those things. And most Christians, I'm telling you, most Christians, their favor for God does not survive that season. Now, of course, am I saying they leave church? No, they don't. They don't leave church. See, let me say this. The devil doesn't have any problem when you go into church. Let me say it again. The devil has no problem. You can see that I'm emphasizing. I'm, I'm leaning more into the mic. The devil has no problem with you going to church. You see that? Because most of what we call church today is not doing what church is supposed to do. So you're gathering and there's lovely praise and worship. There's lovely singing. There's lovely motivation. There's lovely everything. Yet, um, there is no effectiveness. The purpose of the church is to train believers for the work of ministry. 
What does that mean? It means it's supposed to train you to get to a point where you will pastor, where you are actually capable of pastoring other people, discipling other people. That's the point of the church. So, the question will now be, why does this happen? Why, why is it that lots of young people come out and then their faith does not survive? I'll tell you. It's called the systems of this world. It's called Babylon, if I may use a an ancient word that seems to have a lot of weight. It's, it's, it's a, <laughs> my pastor would call it the Babylonian system. All right? Now, why are we babbling and ba- babyloning? What's, what's the issue with this system? Well, look at Matthew 6, verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Let me say that again. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will love, be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So, here we clearly see that there is a highlighting of two masters. And really, in this life, there are just two masters. In this life, there are, <laughs> there are three. There are two, actually. All right. God and mammon. And we're going to see that mammon is only an expression of living for yourself. If you look at um, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, it says, He died for us that they which live should henceforth no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. What does that mean? It means that the average person has been programmed, all right, to live for himself, to do what makes him happy, to please himself first, to go all out for himself and not for God. Let me say it again. The average person has been programmed to do what makes him happy, to please himself, to go after what makes him happy and not for God. So, it means that this life is built, these systems of this world are built based on man's selfish desires. They are built based on what man wants. They are built you know, I said built. <laughs> they are built based on, you know, your own passions. God is not in the equation in most cases. And this is the training from childhood. If you, when you were born, I mean, and were raised in your house, check the motive for every single thing that you were told to do. Whether it is to go to school, right? Why did you go to school? Because you need to get to university or primary school to get to secondary to get to university. Why? So you can come on and get a job or run a business. It was always about you and what you would do, how you would get comfortable. No one will marry if you are broke. You know, that's the mindset or your wedding. Like, from when we're younger, you know, till now, we've always been given things to live for. We've always been given... Um, things that are supposed to define our reason for living. Um, Jobs, marriage, um, business, um, power, right? Maybe philanthropy or something. Like, we've always been given a reason to live. But if we are honest with God's word, first of all, we didn't create ourselves. We have a creator someone made you someone made me if that person made us then that person is the one who gets to tell us why we are alive or our reason for living are you seeing that we don't give ourselves a reason for living so here you see it says you cannot serve two masters you cannot serve god and mammon mammon represents living for yourself 
mammon represents living for things because it's a mammon here. A mammon is just the word money. But if you are, as we're going to study, I'm going to say it's a system. All right, it's a system. It's a an organized um, set of, <laughs> will I say, institutions and ideas. A whole, will I say, compendium. If I may use that big word, that actually brings you to a place of living for you. The average job is structured like that. The average job is structured to make you live for you. I'm not saying that jobs are bad, as we're going to see later. But I'm just saying that the way life is structured, life is structured in such a way. And it's not God who made it like that. It is the systems of this world because of the fall of man that is structured in such a way that if you want to serve God, you must be extremely intentional about it. Serving God has no appeal when it comes to material things. If you think about it, most people, if they say they want to serve God, imagine tomorrow you say, God has told me, you tell people, God told me that I should go on missions to Kaduna. Ah, they will start crying. You see your mother crying and saying, is this how my child has come to disgrace me in this world? Did I give birth to this child just to come and, this child to come and bring shame and ruin to us in the family? There will be so much fighting <laughs> so much fighting I, I remember um a year or two ago somebody a young lady was uh she told god or sorry god told her that she was going to actually do missions and god told her to go to somewhere that was very unappealing this is someone who's a graduate just finished nyc and god told her to go somewhere that was highly unappealing i mean there was nothing appealing at the place but he wanted her to do missions there he wanted her to preach the gospel there he wanted her to <laughs> he wanted her to just you know evangelize to some young people and all that stuff and i mean she's been doing that for over a year man her family has been fighting her at every turn and let me just pause to address something if you are here listening to me and as i just said what i said about maybe the missionary thing of this girl and then there's something in your heart doing to fiaqua that's what we're talking about that's the programming inside you that has <laughs> that has configured you to live for yourself to think about you first and not about god you know for your object of living or your reasons for living you know to be you to be what makes you happy, what makes you comfortable. And that's why, I mean, on IG, I saw someone's post that said, don't do what makes you happy, do what makes God happy. And I agree with that. Because your true happiness will be found in God's happiness. Let me say that again. Your true happiness, all right, will be found in God's happiness. The things that please God will actually also help you. God is pleased when you are, you are doing things that He wants. And the things that He wants is not imposing them on you because he's a tyrant no he's telling you to do those things because they are actually the best thing for you because god is good so his plan for your life is actually the best so when you go your way you actually enjoy yourself you actually enjoy yourself <laughs> so <laughs> so that thing inside you that's saying ah me to feel, ah no me go on missions me go to the village go to where go to here ah, no 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 i cannot do that i cannot do that that thing inside you you see, that's that's that thing we're talking about. So most people are like, I don't want to serve God. Before God will call me, I should go to <laughs> another country, you know. But the same person doesn't mind going there for business. Doesn't mind. There's a book um, by Dag Heward Mills, Evangelism and Missions. Powerful book. There's a chapter there that addresses this particular thing. I think it was the time I did it on this podcast where we actually looked at some of those um, insights where he was comparing the same thing that God is asking you to do that you say you cannot do or your parents or your family will almost kill you for if it is to do it for money 
alright, you will see that your family is behind you 100%. Why? Because money has been enthroned in the hearts of most people as a god. Money has actually become a god to most people. Comfort has become a god to most people. You see that? Position, status, influence, power has become a, a, a god to most people. One of the most humbling statements to me in the New Testament is when Paul said, we came naked into this world or we brought nothing into this world, alright, and when we leave, we will carry nothing out. That text to me is so humbling and so disturbing. It's First Timothy 6 verse 7. It says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we shall carry nothing out. This text is so strong, so powerful, so, so gripping. Because it's reality. Have you ever seen someone who just died? They were animated a second ago and the next thing you just saw the light leave their eyes that is they just died they don't even take the clothes on their body if they had any they don't even take underwear the wristwatch the gold chain everything is left here the cars the houses the accounts every everything is left here that's the that's the most humbling thing to think about every single thing is left here if every single thing is left here then there's a very big problem on our hands because so what did you spend your whole life doing you spent your whole life amassing what you're going to live here you spent your whole life pursuing what you're going to live here see things are meant to be used <laughs> let me say it again things are meant to be used things are just things things don't have as much value as we give them i mean it's nice to have a very nice phone live in a nice house be comfortable and all that but life is not about that because it says you brought nothing into this world and it is what certain if anything is certain in this life that every human being can agree on is that you brought nothing into this world and when you leave nothing will live with you that's how crazy you know the egyptians their kings would be afraid of this particular reality so what would they do in their traditions in their pyramids when they bury a king they bury the king with the slaves they bury the king not just with his slaves they bury his the king with his wealth with lots of gold and servants and food and things the idea was that he would take them into the afterlife oh boohoo how sad I really wonder what it looked like when that guy died, that guy called Pharaoh, when he died and realized that he was nothing and that all he had amassed was nothing. I, I really, <laughs> that would be so gripping. But that's just the reality of where we are. It is certain we will take nothing out. So if it is certain we take nothing out, then that cannot be our reason for living. Things cannot be our reason for living. Marriage cannot be our reason for living. You know, marriage actually stops here. I love the vows that we make. Oh, love you forever, be together forever. That is unscriptural. Once you die, marriage has ended. <laughs> Even if we married, that, that marriage is over. Marriage is a thing of the earth. Marriage is not even spiritual. Marriage is an earthly thing. And that's why you see both Muslims, Hindus, everybody gets married. It's not a Christian thing. That's why you don't even need to go to a church to get married. And that's just the fact. If you... If your parents are <laughs> idol worship or traditional people and it's just in your village, they go and hand you over to whoever you're married to. That, that thing is valid before God. That's the truth. You don't have to go to a church to get married. That's just the truth. You get 
church marriages were a modern invention. That's just the truth. Don't beat me. I'm just telling the truth. But I mean, it's a thing of the earth. Are you seeing that? It's a thing of the earth. So these things that you have made your reason for living are not actually that important. And that's why you see a very classic you know, opening, now Matthew 6. He says, <laughs> Matthew 6, right? Make sure you're there, all right? He tells you clearly, he says, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God or mammon. Your reason for living cannot be dual. It, it's either one or the other. And every Christian you see, of course, the unbelievers already have their own reason for living set out for them. It's not God. Is actually mammon. Is this system? Is actually living for themselves? What they can amass, how they can survive, what they can eat or drink. That is that is what occupies the mind of the man who is unsaved. He has no greater reason for living. You see that he has no greater because he doesn't know God. But you see, Christians also because many Christians are not well taught, and even the ones who are well taught, you you see that still have a decision to make. Will I live my life just for things, just for status, just for wealth, things that are fleeting, things that will fade away, things that, I mean, the moment I die, I will leave everything? <laughs> are you seeing that? Yes. See, nothing is, is cast in stone in this world. Everything will fade away. Everything. Even your life is described like a vapor. In, in I think that was the Ecclesiastes. Your life is described as a vapor. That it just is here now and the next thing is gone. That's, that's the way we're described. So, what is your reason for living? This is January 2022. All right. Look back at the last 10, 15, if you're 10, since there's 10, 15, 20, 25 years, 30 years of your life, or 40 if you are, and ask yourself, what have I lived for? What can we summarize my life, you know, for? Because there's even a bigger deal here, which is that um, in 2 Corinthians 5, it tells us that we must all appear before the judgment of Christ. But that's another story. Because we're going to give account of our lives, how we lived it. Because as we're going to see here, our reason for living must be God. Our reason for living must be the gospel. That's what it must be. It can't be something else. Because that is the one who, the one who made us. That is what he has designated for us because it is the best thing that we can ever live for. It's, it's, it's eternal. Everything you amass here, all the money you make, all the relationship, everything dies here. But when you pass onto the other side there are some things that follow you actually the only things that follow you is what you did for god your if you live for god you know the rewards of that follow you are you seeing that your works do follow you all right all right so matthew 6 verse 25 we looked at 24 that's when i said you shall not serve no one can serve two masters so some people actually try to do it where they try to serve god and then they serve you know, then they still live for that. It doesn't work. Is that you live for God and your whole life is about God or you live for things? And when I say God, they're going to say that it's, we're talking about priority where every other thing is kept in its place. God God did not say he doesn't want you to marry, he doesn't want you to have a job or work or do other things or go for power and all those things. However, the moment those things conflict with God's priorities, you are supposed to put them in their place. Nothing should ever have the... Um, would I say luxury of being first place in your life or, or above God in your life? Nothing should have that luxury. Everything should be in its place, which is what? It should be below. It should be under God. So, verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. 
is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Are you seeing this? He's saying life is more than food and clothing. Life is more than things. Life is more than comfort. Life is more than, life is much more than just, can you imagine just your entire existence just being for things that will pass away? Life is much more than those things. If you have breath in your lungs, your life is more valuable or should be spent more wisely than just for things. Look at verse 26. It says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap or gather in bands, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And I may add bam here because this is actually the kicker. This is this year is the solution to anxiety. This year is the solution to worry. Because he says your heavenly father, he introduces the fatherhood of God. Your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The question is to whom? To God. Your heavenly father feeds them. Your heavenly father takes care of them. Who is a father? A father is a source. Where you come from, you know, it's, it's your foundation is your source. But a father is actually, like, the idea of father is that you came from there. So, therefore, your source is responsible for you. So, your father, you know, these days we have lots of Christians, we love to say, oh, Abba, Abba, Abba. Oh, that's nice. Your Abba, all right? <laughs> your Abba. He says, your Abba feeds them. Your father feeds them. So he's asking, are you not of more value than they? Meaning, if your father feeds birds, if your father takes care of birds, are you saying your father will not take care of you? So I want to say to you that the world system today that lives for itself is a system of people who do not know God as father, who have deviated from the order of God's fatherhood. That's what Adam did in Genesis. Adam decided to go his own way. He refused God because the life of God was offered to him in Genesis 2. He refused that life. By refusing that life, you know, he refused the fatherhood of God because those who have the life of God have God as their father. He refused God's fatherhood. He refused God's... Because people don't understand when they... when They, they don't understand what they're rejecting when they reject God. If When you reject God, you're not just rejecting God, you're rejecting everything that comes with the package. So when you reject God, you're rejecting his fatherhood. You are rejecting his responsibility over you. You are rejecting everything that comes, his guidance, his wisdom, the things that are supposed to help you make this life better. Bible says it is not for man to direct his own path. It, you don't have the ability in you to actually direct your life. That's where God's fatherhood comes in. It's like a baby. Alright? If you have a baby, that baby is helpless. But you see that baby can have a strong, have strong head. You hold the baby's hand. Baby will remove the hand. Have you, have you seen that before? Remove the hand. Like, leave me alone. But really, you, it, that baby doesn't know what he or she's saying because you can't be left alone. You'll, be, you'll die. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know your left or your right. That's how mankind is. Man needs a father's hand, a father's guidance. And that's what people are rejected. And when you reject God, you reject his provision also. So the systems of this world are designed in such a way, you know, that... Um, God is excluded. His fatherhood, his provision is excluded. So people are now living in such a manner that everything they want, they, they, they get, you know, has to be that they work for it. Everything, you know, they are going after. Like, the point of it is that they are, they are lost in that sense that they don't know the fact that someone is responsible. So, therefore, in their minds, it's like, I must do everything to get this money, everything. And that's why you see people make so many compromises. Look, 
there is a text of scripture that says that you should not envy envy sinners. Don't envy people's wealth. Don't envy them. Why? Because the things that people do, Paul puts it like this, that many have pierced themselves with many sorrows because of this thing called money. They have done, there's so many things they have done. There are so many, whether it's illegal, you know, so many compromises they've made. That <laughs> I, I'm not sure I should say in this one. There's, there's something someone told me, a friend told me about how, you know, there's certain even certain ladies um i mean she's someone who i maybe you know this kind of acquaintance thing and they're one of the ladies that she's kind of friends with said like don't envy us because these are friends are driving range rovers and uh, they are i mean the kind of hair they are they carry everywhere they are they are really really living like the high life and she said don't envy us so the things that we do you can't do the things we have done to get this money are horrible. Don't, you know, I'm not saying now they're legitimate business women, of course, like um, Taylor. I love, there's this um, business lady I like called Taylor. Like, she does this Taylor furniture or something. And I mean, wonderful stuff. They are beautiful entrepreneurs like that, you know. But men and women on both sides, there are many of them who, they, they what they're enjoying today is a function of compromise. The wealth, the things. Many people, that's many people. How did your wealth come out? I said, God, do we bless our God? Do. They can't tell you <laughs> how the wealth came. They can't tell you how it came. Recently, there was a certain uh, personality, all right, who was they were, they were asking on air about how he got his wealth, all right. Certain political person, they asked, How did you get your wealth? And the guy could, they, they couldn't, he couldn't say anything. He couldn't, kept on dodging the subject. He couldn't say anything because the truth is that the wealth was ill gotten. So, so we don't envy sinners, all right? And we don't, in the bid to succeed, compromise, make a compromise. And what do I mean by that? Second Corinthians 5 tells us that we're supposed to live for the gospel, all right? We're supposed to live for the gospel. And if you're living for the gospel, we're going to see that. I think I'll probably break that into like tomorrow's own podcast. <laughs> that if you're going to live for the gospel, there are things that become priority, as I said. When we say God is priority, you see, many people say, yeah, God is my priority. Ah, God's baby, God's child. Ah, God's picking. And they don't know. <laughs> you have no idea. God being your priority, there is a, there, there are do's, there are don'ts. If God is your priority, there's a way he's your priority. And that priority is majorly through the local church. Are you seeing that? So, God's fatherhood is actually the solution to man's problem. God's fatherhood is the solution to the way man actually lives his life. Living for things, burning out for things, you know, losing out on so much. Alright? It's evident here that I, I can't finish. I would have really liked to finish it, but there's much more to talk about. So I'm going to break this podcast into two. And then like tomorrow, we're going to tackle it. Alright? I hope you have been stirred up at least with what I've said. I always like your feedback. Um, you can always hit me up at pst.sn on Instagram. I like your feedback. I like your questions. And uh, this year, I want to answer many more questions. I think I'll do more podcasts. I've been on the podcast hiatus, all right? But I think I'm coming back gently, small, small, little by little, all right? With more flavor and with more punch, okay? So, um, Happy New Year again. Invite someone to the podcast. Let them listen. Let them get blessed also. Let's grow. We have growth plans for this year to reach out to more people, for more people to be edified, more people to be blessed. I will trust God to be more consistent, all right, and inspire others. At least I see there are some people who, by listening to this podcast, they've begun their own podcasts 
um, trying to share with other people and help people grow. And that's that's awesome. Um, the only word of caution is um, grow a bit before you help others grow. Are you with me? Uh, grow a bit. Grow. Don't just hear it once and run off. All right? So, guys, that's it for today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And bye-bye. If this blessed you, or you want to say hi, or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram at pst.essien, pst.essien.